We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Matson. I write about the 49ers for NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. And we've got a divisional playoff game to look ahead to. 49ers, Packers at Lambeau Field. We'll talk about that. And then we're joined by Sam Esfandiari, host of the Light Years podcast right here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Sam hosts a Warriors podcast, but he's a huge sports fan. Super smart guy. Love talking to him about baseball, football, basketball. It doesn't matter. He's always got good takes, always well-informed. And we had him on to talk some Niners. We sprinkled a little bit of Warriors in and just an overall really fun conversation. So we'll do that. We'll have pick six for you. Let's get into it. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. has got him and a second back inside the 30 yard line Nick Bosa drops Aaron Rodgers for a 13 yard loss quick pass caught by Kittle he dives and he's in touchdown 49ers Chris I have a take you know how much I love takes you I would I would go as far as to say you adore a good take yeah, I'm a big big take guy. <laughs> you want to have your take and eat it too. Yes, absolutely. That's a good one. I'm writing yeah. that one down. I'm going to tweet yeah. that. Yeah, you should tweet that at some point. That's a good tweet. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, take and eat it. Okay. A lot of likes and engagement. And... Yeah. Not nearly as many as much engagement as I got on my joke about Alex Smith and the 49ers could have drafted Aaron Rodgers. And how that'll be an interesting storyline. That's not that's not the take you just queued up, is it? That made some, no. That made some okay. people really mad that I said that, though. Anyways, you'll find that sarcasm is lost on on a significant portion of people on Twitter. My bigger issue is that like the next tweet is like, "Hey, I'm being sarcastic," and people just don't have the intellectual curiosity to click and scroll. Like, "Hey, is this guy joking?" Right. No, you just want to dunk on somebody on the internet because you don't have any other wins in life. Right. Anyways. And it really sucks to have like sarcasm font in the tweet, you know, like when yeah. you when you write like sarcasm or you like have to denote right. that it's sarcastic, that, that like the, ruins the whole thing. It explains the joke. Right. Right. Anyways, 
putting faith in people to be smart is not the right move. That's on me. We love our all of our listeners and Twitter followers, by the way. Talking about, yeah, I'm sure nobody listening to this podcast thought that was serious if they saw it. Anyways, <laughs> my take. The 49ers, if they beat the Packers, it's going to look exactly like it did against the Rams and the Cowboys. Because that's their one path to winning. So elaborate, because those are two very different games. It is a very effective running game. Okay. And it's a pass rush that doesn't let the opposing offense get into a rhythm. Yeah, that's that's fair. And I know that's I know that's like, oh hey, run the ball and rush the passer, but that's like their own that's how they win. That's it. That's and you know, the the Rams game, like you said, it was very different because the Rams game, Jimmy Garoppolo had to make a bunch of good throws down the stretch. Uh, whereas in the Cowboys game, their defense kind of needed to hold on at the end, and then the Cowboys needed to shoot themselves in the foot repeatedly. But I think if if the Niners beat the Packers, it's going to be this like, oh, they have just perfected exactly what they want to do. Because if they win, it's going to be, man, they ran for 170 yards and they sacked Aaron Rodgers four times and didn't let the Green Bay run game get off the ground. And I think if they beat Green Bay, you're going to get a lot of like, oh, the 49ers are going to the Super Bowl talk. Yeah. I mean, if they beat Green Bay, they're going to the NFC Championship game. So it's definitely, I mean, it's within that realm, right? I, I think... I mean, I've said it a few different times, probably on this pod and and on the radio and whatnot. Like, I just think the 49ers are particularly dangerous because of the way the season's gone and the fact that they they're used to playing with their backs against the wall now. Right. Right. Like it we we reacted to their four game losing streak and their three and five start from the context of, you know, because we talked about it and like we compared this team a lot to 2019. Or, or we looked through the, at this team through that lens. And what was different about 2019 was the 49ers were a buzzsaw basically throughout the entire season, right? They didn't get blown out once. All three of their losses came down to the very last second. Um, and they blew out a lot of teams and, and handled business, whereas this season they didn't do that in the first half of the year. And it was it was kind of alarming because it's like, man, they have all their horses. Like Jimmy Garoppolo was hurt a little bit, but like, this is a team that should have looked like the 2019 team in, in our minds, at least. And now it didn't happen in the first half of the season, but now it sort of does, right? Like it's the defense is somehow, you know, it's not as talented, but it's, it's almost as effective, right? Like it's the, the particularly the pass rush, like the pass rush sort of epitomizes what this team is right now in that it's different faces um, but it's it's the same core tenets that that lead to success, right? It's it's um, coming in waves. It's you know being able to to, to just take away an opponent's strength um, by sort of sheer will, right? Like that's that's really a calling card of the of the 49ers right now. But the fact that they you know I think they won in 2019 because they were more talented they had a whole lot of really good players all sort of peaking at the right time they had the right coaches and all that i think what makes them dangerous now is there's a different intensity to them in that they're pissed off by the way the super bowl against the chiefs went they're pissed off by the way 2020 went when they lost everybody due to injuries 
and they're pissed off and have to play, had to play basically all the second half of the season with their backs against the wall after losing five of their first eight games. And so it's, it's a different personality and it's a different, like, you know, the 49ers were elite. They were the best team in the NFC and it wasn't particularly close. Right now there's, they're the underdog. They're six point underdogs going into green Bay a team that they thumped in the NFC championship game two years ago today, actually, as we record this. Um, so it's interesting because same coaching staff, a lot of the same star players. Um, some guys are at different levels, obviously Debo Samuel is in a different stratosphere than he was in 2019. Um, but that's, what's fascinating. That's, that's ultimately why I think the 49ers have a really good shot at pulling off the upset because they got to, you know, we talked about them in comparison to 2019 a lot early in the season, but now they're actually there, right? Like they are a team that's playing at a very similar level, but because of the way the season started and the fact that they lost five of their first eight, they're a wild card team and they're an underdog. And it's like, are they that much worse or that much different than they were in 2019 when, when they're going through the playoffs? Like, I don't think there's that much of a difference. I don't think you trust Jimmy Garoppolo. I think you trust, well, it's tough with Jimmy Garoppolo because he's hurt, but I think overall, like if Jimmy Garoppolo were healthy, the trust factor is the same. If not, maybe you trust him a little bit more because of what he was able to do in that Rams game. But you know, like I think the Niners are dangerous and I think they're relishing the fact that they're road underdogs for the third week in a row. And I think they're relishing the idea that like, Hey, the Packers haven't played a legitimate game in a while and they haven't played an opponent as, as good as we are in a while. Right. So mm-hmm. all those factors make me think like, that, like this could be, this could be an upset game for the 49ers. I don't know that I'm necessarily picking picking them i guess i'll i'll think about it as we record this pod and maybe i will just pick them <laughs> but huh. like it would it i'll say it won't it won't surprise me in the slightest if they go to green bay and win yeah me either like they're just they're built to win these games like they're built to take the air out of the football they're built to shorten games and affect opposing quarterbacks. Now, the, the, here's the here's the the thing that I keep coming back to with this. Green Bay is not good against the run. Like that's that's a big deal. I think they were like 26th and or 28th in DVOA against against the run this year, which is obviously a big deal. I think they're going to have to devote a ton of resources to to stopping the run if they're going to do that. And even then, it might not matter because of how how locked in Kyle Shanahan and, and Mike McDaniel and the coaching staff are in, in designing the run game and then how, how locked in the players are in executing it. But the thing I keep coming back to is if Green Bay had, I think, literally any other quarterback, I would pick the 49ers and feel great about it. But the issue, the issue is this is Aaron Rodgers. This is a guy who very easily mitigates a pass rush with a quick release and who throws the ball to the right place nine times out of 10. Now, he didn't play well against the 49ers in 2019, either time they played them, but 
He was very good against their defense earlier, and this is a better version of the defense now for sure, but he's just playing at a level and is capable of playing at a level that I think neutralizes so much of the 49ers defensive strength that you can see a scenario where it's like, man, they just can't get a stop. Yeah. Yeah. And that's ultimately the hesitancy, right? Like it's, it's such a, it's such a big advantage at quarterback. Yes. In this game, right? Like if you were to look at the rosters and the foundation and you know, the, everything else, the the coaching staffs, like, I think that I would, you know, I think LaFleur might be a little bit better than, than Kyle Shanahan, maybe in terms of like fourth down stuff, but I think Shanahan's probably a better play caller, more creative offensive designer. Um, And certainly I think if Kyle Shanahan had Aaron Rodgers, he would, he would be a better coach for, yeah. (laughs) I mean, he, he would get more out of Aaron Rodgers than LaFleur has not, you know, and I agree. It, that's just an opinion. We'll have no, we, we don't have any way of being able to prove that, but that Aaron Rodgers is ultimately the great equalizer. And the, the big, I mean, there are a lot of unknowns going into this game too. That's a, that's like really hard for us to talk about and speculate about. It's like how healthy is Jimmy Garoppolo, mm-hmm. right? Like he didn't, he didn't throw when, when the 49, or at least when reporters were watching the first five minutes of practice on Tuesday, um, we, you know, the, the, I, I thought it was interesting. Normally the first practice of the week is when reporters are allowed to watch the most, which is about 20 minutes to half an hour, depending on how long individual and special teams drills go for. Um, but it was very notable to me that at the practice inside Levi stadium, reporters were only allowed to watch for five minutes. That's like normally on a Friday, like you go watch stretching, see who's out there. And then they kick reporters out. The fact that they did that. I don't know if it's alarming, but it, it certainly raises a red flag for me. Like, all right, all right is mm. how hurt is Jimmy Garoppolo and how, how significant is this going to be? I'm expecting Jimmy Garoppolo to play, but I do wonder about, all right, are they, you know, are, is Trey, is Trey Lance getting actual practice reps this week with the starters? Because is it going to be a scenario where they're going into it being like, well, we're going into it with Jimmy, but because it's a shoulder injury, it's way harder to isolate that and protect him. So if he's one hit away, do we need to make sure that Trey Lance is getting reps? How does that impact your week of preparation, right? What happens in the game if Trey Lance has to go in? Like you obviously don't love the 49ers situation <laughs> if that's if that's the case because it's a backup quarterback in, in a playoff game at Lambeau Field against the best quarterback in the league. Um so, and then there's, you know, is Nick Bosa going to c- clear concussion protocol on time? My hunch is that he will, but it's it, impossible for me to say here on Wednesday afternoon at four four sixteen in the in, at PM, right? Right. Um, Fred Warner is going to play. It sounds like it sounds like he had a he he spoke to us yesterday, and um, he his, his MRI went well, uh, and he expects to play. So that's that's a good new that's good news because. Obviously, going against Aaron Rodgers, who's one of the best—I don't know if "puppet masters" is the term—but like, you know, signal callers on the field, one of the best in the league, and and Fred Warner is probably the equivalent at linebacker. So, mm-hmm. you obviously, want that. Um, yeah, it's I, we could sit here and talk about the 49ers' physicality and their running game and. Um, their ability to pass rush, but ultimately, it's like how to. In my mind, it's how healthy is Jimmy Garoppolo. 
Because if he's compromised and he can't throw and it looks like it's the second half of the Dallas game, and if he's a hit away from just being just not being able to play and Trey Lance has to go in, then yeah, that's a real tough spot. But if Jimmy Garoppolo's healthy and he can play through the injury uh, like he did against the Rams, then it's like, all right, I think the 49ers do have a really good shot to win. Um, but these are all things that we just have no idea about right now. I wonder if Dr. Narav Pandya from uh, UCSF Hospitals is on the radio show I produce every week. And he said he's more worried about Jimmy Garoppolo's thumb than his shoulder hmm. and his ability to grip a football in the cold. Like that, that is his bigger worry. And I thought that was kind of interesting because I was with you where like, man, that shoulder, that could be a significant problem. We don't know the extent of the shoulder injury either. Um, so I did think that was interesting. And it, that's the other thing. Like, we can't forget that he has a torn ligament in his thumb here. And he's going to go play in weather that's sub-zero wind chills. Um, I, we've seen Kyle Shanahan game plan around an injured Jimmy Garoppolo before. They beat the Rams in 2020 when he was the game after that Dolphins game where he got pulled. They went out and beat the Rams. And that was the game that Garoppolo's dot was like a yard or right. like negative. And right. I think if, if they're going to win, it might need to look a lot like that where it's a lot of screens. It's a lot of creative handoffs to four or five different players. And they're just doing everything they can to a limit the amount of throws he has to make, but B limit the amounts of hits he's going to take. And whether that makes it easier or more difficult on, on, um, on the Packers defense, we'll see. But I do think that's what it's going to have to look like. The other thing that I think is interesting here, just kind of looking bigger picture is Garoppolo's injury problem, which because he only missed two games this year, I think kind of went by the wayside a little bit, but he had a calf injury that it sounds like if Trey Lance hadn't hurt his knee in week five, he also would have started week seven because Garoppolo wasn't all the way healthy yet. He had the thumb injury and now he has the shoulder. Like this is just, this continues to be a problem. And I just don't think that that can be overlooked. Like we talk so much about this quarterback situation and what do they do moving forward or what are they going to do moving forward or whatever? Like there's just more proof of it this year. It's proof of why they're moving on. What's, I mean, it's not funny because injuries aren't funny, but it's like, it's sort of a, a running bit among the beat writers that, like we really need to be on the con call with Kyle Shanahan on Mondays because there's always something that mm -hmm. there are always injuries that pop up um, that weren't clear on during the game on Sundays. And Garoppolo now has had a couple of those. And even Trey Lance had one in, in his Arizona start. Yeah. Right. Um, and even you go back to the preseason, Trey Lance had his thumb injury and, and we didn't hear about it until after the, or, you know, a day or two after the game. Um, yeah, it's it's super problematic. I mean, that's that is it is a reason why the 49ers are moving on. I know Kyle Shanahan said it, you know, the the way Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch framed it was that injuries were the main reason why they're moving on from Garoppolo. I also think there are a lot of other, I also think they want a better quarterback. Right, that's a reason. 
and they want a better quarterback and they want a cheaper quarterback because they know that it's a huge advantage when you can get strong quarterback play from a guy on a rookie contract and then Mm -hmm. be able to use the rest of that money to build out the rest of the roster. Mm-hmm. And Kyle Shanahan's probably a good enough coach to even take a first or second year quarterback, um, get him playing at a high enough level if he has a good array of weapons around him like the 49ers have and win games that way. Like, I think that's right. that's all part of the formula. Injuries are a part of it, but not as much of a part as they sold. They sold us through their messaging right. when when it all happened. Um, but yeah, I'm. You know, I, I don't. But the fact I, is, is they're dealing now with an injured quarterback in their first two playoff games and in a must win regular season game. So here's the other side of it, because if you remember before even the Rams game, when Jimmy Garoppolo said, my thumb fucking hurts. I remember coming out of that press conference being like, there's no way Jimmy Garoppolo plays. Like it doesn't see that was not optimistic. And then he went out and threw and was fine. I had similar feelings in Tuesday's press conference with Jimmy and that he said basically every throw he had after the injury was affected because the shoulder wasn't feeling well. And I wonder if I don't want to say he's embellished. I don't want to accuse him of embellishing, but I do wonder if there's an element of gamesmanship, right? Like, if you say you're hurt, um, if you say, obviously, it affected me, is there some gamesmanship involved from the standpoint of like, all right, maybe the Packers approach this game thinking, okay, Jimmy's compromised, we'll be fine. And is there any sort of mental edge that the 49ers are trying to get by being, you know, the, what is it? What it's, it's like the heroes complex. Right. When you like oversell all the adversity you're going through. So you look like more of a hero. Is there an element of that? I don't know. Would it surprise me if there was? No. (laughs) Right. Like it could be something where this is part of the messaging and the mind games you play during the week when you're trying to catch your opponent off guard. Who knows? But I think. I mean, ultimately, to me, I think the 49ers are good enough with a healthy Jimmy Garoppolo. Like if he plays like he did in the first half against Dallas, they can absolutely win. If he plays like he did for most of the Rams game, they can absolutely win. But if he's just really compromised and he's throwing ducks like that, that little screen pass to George Kittle that he fumbled, that was ruled incomplete, that was just a complete duck. They're they're not going to beat Aaron Rodgers at, at home in Lambeau on right with five degrees outside. Like, so that's, that to me is the biggest factor is like, because I have confidence in what the 49ers are doing right now enough to win, but they won't be able to do that. If Jimmy Garoppolo is not healthy. Yeah. Not healthy. And just not able to make some of the throws he makes, especially on those ones where he has to fit them into tight windows on slants. And then if he's just, if he's going to miss every wide open receiver down the field, and I know he's not great at throwing the ball down the field, but like he's not, he's not over his career at it. And if that's just taken away, like the Packers, not like the, 
the Packers can defend the Niners knowing like, hey, not only does this quarterback not typically push the ball very far down the field, but also now he physically cannot. Like he physically can't get it, get the ball into these windows. Like that just changes the calculus. It makes the Niners a lot easier to defend in both the run and the pass games. So I, I, after what he did against the Rams with his thumb, I'm not ruling anything out because I was just so incredibly impressed by that. Um, but at some point, like there's physical, like if your body just can't move the correct way like there, it doesn't matter how tough you are. Right. Just on some level, like your your shoulder is hurt. It's not going to function at 100 percent and you're going to be worse because of it. Yeah, it gets to a point where you're compromised and you're having diminishing returns. It's not it's not a it's not about pain tolerance. It's about like you physically just can't do it. So I'm very curious to know what how they're approached and and they're not going to tell us, but how they're approaching things with Trey Lance this week. Like is ask. is is Trey Lance getting first team reps this week? Are they like, are is the coaching staff worried about needing a contingency plan? Mm-hmm. Like that's that's a big deal, right? And like that that would make for kind of a weird week of practice if you're like, all right, Jimmy's playing and he's starting for sure, but we don't know if he's going to be able to take hits and finish the game, so we like need to make sure. Trey's ready, but from the same, like from the other side of that, it's like you got you have personalities to manage. You like, is Jimmy going to be pissed off if you're giving Trey reps? Like, are, are people going to be like miffed at the idea that Trey's getting reps in this moment? Like, I, mm-hmm. you know, the 49ers are not like a there, there typically isn't drama from that standpoint, but it would just make for a very unique week of practice, right? Particularly given that it's a condensed week, too. Mm-hmm. Like that's another thing. The 49ers have a short week. They traveled back from Dallas Sunday night. Um, they're going halfway across the country to Green Bay or two thirds of the way across the country and playing on a Saturday, which is it's tough. Like they're not getting full contact or f- like full go practices. They're they're pretty much all gonna be walkthroughs this week. So yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be fascinating. I mean, that's the thing that's that's so much fun about the playoffs is just like you really never know. Yeah. And things are so the margins are so slim in the NFL and these teams are so close that ultimately what's going to decide the game potentially is going to be something that you and I haven't even touched on at all at some point, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> like Marcel uh, Harris uh, pick 6, like what? <laughs> <You know? laughs> the Jamichael Hasty game. Right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, what do you take anything away from week three? Um, I was looking at it, it, let me let me tell you why I asked real quick. Yeah, because I was looking at it, and the Niners are just so different right now. So different. I mean, that like they've they've figured out what they're doing on offense. They have an offensive identity now. Um, defensively, especially in secondary, they're much better than they were in week three. Like they're just a a better version of that team that lost to the Packers by two points. Yeah, they lost to the Packers by two points, and you can definitely make the case that the 49ers are better. And the fact that it was a two-point game would indicate that they do have a good chance to win, but I think there's also the element of the Packers are better than they were. Right. And they have David Bakhtiari, who's one of the best offensive linemen in the league, who's back at left tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, 
not that it necessarily mattered in that game, but um, yeah, I mean, I watched it and I, I had the same takeaway as you did. It was just, this is a completely different 49ers team. Like Trey mm-hmm. Sermon led the team in carries with 10 and yards with 31. I think it was their third or fourth fewest total number of rushing yards on the season. And Elijah Mitchell wasn't in that game. Um, Kwan Williams exited early. Uh, Diamador Lenore had to play a lot. Um, Josh Norman was playing in that game, as you mentioned in, in the podcast with Croc. Um, Thomas wasn't even active. And right. He's like arguably their best corner. <laughs> right. Like Jawan Jennings was didn't had wasn't even targeted in that game. And, and Muhammad Sanu was still the third receiver at that point. Right, Debo yeah, Samuel. Doghouse. Yeah. Debo Samuel was not um was not even yeah, he had one rush in that game, and now he's like one of the best running backs in the league, more or less. So, um, Brandon Ayuk over the first three games, I think, had five catches, and now he averages like almost five catches a game. Like uh, over over the second half of the season or the last eight games, I think he averaged like five five catches for seventy two yards after having five catches total in the first three weeks. I think he had a touchdown against he did against Green Bay, but he did. He also had a drop in the end zone. Um, and Jimmy Garoppolo is playing better than he was. He, he was not good in that game. He was really bad. A lot of open guys, a lot of hospital balls over the middle of the field. Um, that's, that's the thing. That last drive took like two or three unbelievable catches. A couple right. by Debo. And did, did Kittle have one? Somebody else had a had a really good catch on that drive. Yeah. Um. You know, Kyle Juszczyk's probably going to go down before the goal line this week. <laughs> Stop. That was a joke. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, that that I, I agree with your point in that the Niners were a completely different team in terms of the way they were playing on, on both sides of the ball. So that's that's another layer to this that makes it interesting. I think obviously you can look at schematics and just sort of the coaching per- styles and personalities or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you can make takeaways from that standpoint. But in terms of the way the 49ers are playing, it's a completely different team. So if you're, I mean, the 49ers are miles better now than, than what they were in September. The Packers are probably better too. But I mean, the fact that the 49ers only lost by two in a game where Jimmy Garoppolo didn't play well, where they couldn't cover Devontae Adams at all, um, where the personnel was so much different, that should give you optimism going into this game. But I mean, how much better are the Packers, too? That's really the question. Right. The game I circle is the one that that I kind of look at for a potential blueprint for the 49ers is the last kind of real game the Packers played in, which was on Christmas Day against the Browns. Mm-hmm. Because remember, after that, they played against Sean Mannion and the Vikings. And then they rested their starters for a half against the Lions. And they had a bye last week. So that Christmas game against the Browns was the last like real quote unquote football game they played in. And in that game, Baker Mayfield threw four picks, completed 58% of his throws for 222 yards. He got sacked five times and the Browns was only lost 24, 22. Like they could have won that game despite their quarterback throwing four picks. Nick Chubb was excellent. He had 17 for a buck 26 and a touchdown. Um, Dearness Johnson had four carries, 58 yards. Um, and then they did enough defensively to 
to keep Aaron Rodgers to six yards an attempt. And if the Niners can look at what the Browns did and follow slash execute that blueprint, I think they're in a really, really good spot because I think they can do a lot of what the Browns do and and maybe even better, especially offensively. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I completely agree. I think the key to beating the Packers, anybody, not just the 49ers, is just with physicality. Mm-hmm. And keeping Aaron Rodgers on the sideline. And there isn't a better team alive in the NFC right now to do that than the 49ers. So in a way, the 49ers were a tough draw for the Packers. But, I mean, it's tough to say tough draw because they're the number one seed. So, you know, like that's that's how it goes. But I, th- I think the 49ers have a shot. I really do, but it's oh, all de- it's all dependent on it's all dependent on Jimmy Garoppolo's health. I I I think six points is a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the point spread and the Packers being favored by that much, but I'm with you. Like I I think that that Browns game is interesting because the 49ers play a similar brand to the Browns. Like when you look at their characteristics, they're kind of similar. Like big physical offensive line, good running game quarterback you don't really trust um a talented defense like that i think the um schematically safanski is is from sort of the shanahan kubiak tree kubiak guys, yeah. um so yeah there there are similarities there for sure and uh and and i think you make a good point there thanks do you want You're to welcome. do pick six let's do pick six hey tyler 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 hey tyler hit the button do the thing All right, it's pick six. We do this every week before each game. Chris picks three players. I pick three players. That's six players. That's where the bit gets its name. And it's the three players that we think need to have a good game, will have a good game, just the players that we think will have the biggest impact on Sunday. I have the first pick, which means, as per usual, Debo Samuel is going to go number one because... He is the single most impactful player left. I maybe in the playoffs. He's definitely the Niners' most impactful player on either side of the ball. And I'm not sure that there's another player in the playoffs that if you take them off their team, another non-quarterback, that if you take them off the team, it would dramatically affect them the way Debo's absence would affect the 49ers. Do we talk about Debo Samuel enough? I kind of feel like we sometimes we don't like we didn't we I, I re-listened to the pod with with Crocker earlier and like Debo was hardly a topic but like to your point he's the most important 49er in this game I just don't know what else to say at this point yeah like it's reached that Steph Curry level where when Steph has 40 it's just kind of like okay like Steph had 40 yeah Steph had 40 what and, else happened and when right and so when Debo goes for 110 all-purpose yards and a touchdown it's like all right like, cool. <laughs> you did it again. I mean, I'm I'm like a real a real believer in just sort of Debo Samuel's attitude reverberating throughout like the entire team. Did you watch his mic up? I did. It's like, so good. Like the fact he said 
after the K1 Williams interception, he looked at Kyle Will or he looked at Kyle Shanahan and said, "Let's go." And there was a clear message there that like, "Give me the ball." And then you see Debo Samuel in the huddle saying, "Let's put it in the box. Like, let's let's go score a touchdown right now." And then like Debo Samuel's fast and has a lot of big plays. I don't know if I've ever seen him move that quickly than he Dude, did in that touchdown run. Unbelievable to pull away from two defensive backs. Like, like he exploded through that running lane that he had. Um, my, so my, he's a super special player right now. My favorite part of that, what you were just mentioning in the huddle is he tells everybody mind your P's and Q's, <laughs> which is a hilarious <laughs> thing to say in the huddle. Yeah. Like I imagine it's like, let's have to go. Let's kill these guys. Like just all this, like, you know, that stuff you hear in movies. Right. And it's actually like, Hey, let's put the ball in the box. Mind your P's and Q's. Like, <laughs> what? I, like okay? my third grade teacher, Miss Hargrave, like told us to mind our P's and Q's. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, 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 like, it's funny in a football context. Hey, let's get the ball in the end zone and also be polite. <laughs> mind your manners. <laughs> um, yeah, Debo's a good pick. I went it like when you think about a, a roadmap to a 49ers win, it's like, yeah, Debo Samuel had 10 carries for 86 yards and a touchdown. And then he had 10 catches for 120 yards and a touchdown and converted a bunch of third downs and was like unstoppable. Like, I don't who do the Packers have defensively that you're like, all right, well, Debo's, you know, you 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 feel okay about putting this guy on like who is it because yeah, it's not like, like it's not jair alexander because like Debo's just going to run through his face and Debo's right, and too fast to, to for you to really worry about a linebacker like last week it was micah parsons but like who's who is it on the packers defense i don't think they I have that guy micah parsons no they and the way you can because you can't just just say all right we're gonna go man on samuel and Jair Alexander is just going to follow him around because right. then they're going to motion him into the backfield and you're erasing the Packers best corner from the play. Like, it just, I, it's very, I'm glad I'm not a defensive coordinator that has to figure it out. And we talk about like the 49ers and how good they are running at running the ball, but it's like, it's not just about their ball carriers. Like they're a really good blocking team. Mm-hmm. Like, all of their big runs, it's like, all right, George Kittle sealed somebody, Kyle Juszczyk sealed somebody, uh, Trent Williams crushed somebody, Daniel Brunskill did well, and like Alex Mack is like pancaking somebody. Like it's it's four or five blocks every single big run that they have, and it's like it's a combination of elite guys with the ball in their hand on top of a really good scheme, but guys who block their asses off. Even like Jawan Jennings, right? Like it's Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, exactly. Right, like Brandon Ayuk uh, had a block on on Micah Parsons that scored that first touchdown that Elijah Mitchell got carried him off the screen, <laughs> and sure. and and he got Parsons to punch him in the face too. That went uncalled. Yeah, for for reasons, I guess. Um, um real quick. Yeah, real quick. Um, along those lines, Brian Baldinger from NFL Network, also on my radio show. This week, last week, Sick no, he's on the morning show this week. Doesn't matter. Anyways, he said, because I've always wondered, like, why don't teams just do what the 49ers do? Like, why don't more teams like just j- j- copy what they're doing offensively? And Baldy brought that up and said, 
that you can draw it up the way the 49ers do, but you can't execute it the way they do. And I think that's a testament to the coaching staff and the players, the fact that teams know what they're going to do, but they're just going to out-execute you to the point that it's not going to matter. Yeah. Agreed. Um, all right. I have a lot of different options here. I've got a good hipster pick coming up. Okay, Stay good. Tuned. I'll make my last pick a hipster pick. How about that? That's what I'm going to do as well. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Elijah Mitchell. For all the reasons that we've sort of outlined throughout this episode, it's just like Niners are going to run the ball. There's no version of this game of, of a 49ers win in which they don't run the ball well. The game can go a ton of different ways, but for the 49ers to win, they have to run the ball well. Elijah Mitchell's their best running back. Um, it's going to be really cold. You have no idea if Jimmy Garoppolo is healthy or not. <clears throat> Shaping up for another, I mean, he had 27 carries in Dallas. So if he had another 25, 27, 32, like that wouldn't be surprising at all. So, nope. um, and there's a reasonable chance he gets a touchdown or two. So Elijah Mitchell, number two overall, team Biederman. We like it. I'm pick- I do too, because like he's going to get touches. That's just like how many yards and touchdowns he gets? No idea. But yeah. you can put it in pen that he's going to get 25, 25 plus carries. Yeah. I just marked that down right now. Uh, third overall pick, my second pick, I'm going to go with George Kittle because I refuse to believe he's going to have a fifth game in a row where he has like fewer than 30 yards. And the Packers just don't have a lot of guys who can... There aren't many teams who can hang with Kittle, but I just... I I don't... I don't think he gets just completely erased for a fifth game in a row. I think the Niners are going to figure out ways to get him the ball. I had his pro football reference page open because I was going to pick him next. So his last four games, two catches, 21 yards, one catch, 29 yards. Five catches, 10 yards, one catch, 18 yards. Like my my question is, is this deliberate? Like, is Kyle Shanahan saving George Kittle for like, all right, like, let's let's make everybody think that George Kittle now is just a glorified blocker. And then we're going to unleash him in the biggest game of the season against the Packers. I think there's an element of that for sure, because Shanahan said. Like his answer when asked about George Kittle's productivity, he basically said, I'm not worried about it. Teams just know that we try and get him the ball in these spots. And so they make sure he doesn't get the ball in those spots. We've got to come up with better ways to get him the ball. And I think they have better ways to get in the ball. They're just not doing it. And while George Kittle's targets and receptions have gone way down, you've seen them go up for Juwan Jennings. You've seen them go up for Brandon Ayuk. They're just saying, okay, fine. Kittle's taken away on these particular plays, so they're going to go elsewhere because they have other playmakers who can win now. It's not the George Kittle show and fingers crossed somebody else can catch a pass. It's George Kittle. It's Debo Samuel. It's Brandon Ayuk. Juwan Jennings is a legit player now, plus what they're doing in the run game. If teams want to devote all those resources to taking Kittle away, then they're going to get beat. Right. And, and, I think, though, that they're, like Shanahan said, there's other ways that they can get in the ball, and I think they're going to do it against Green Bay because um, they need him. Like, you talk about that physical downhill style, like, he is that as a pass catcher. 
So he's going to break out eventually. I don't think he goes a fifth game in a row with two catches for 20 yards. Um, And so I'm expecting a big game from the tight end. Not Charlie Warner. Yeah. Um, So my pick is going to be chalk, but I am also, I mean, I don't, I hope you don't mind here. Um, This is a Nick Bosa pick. With the understanding that he's in the concussion protocol and there's certainly a chance he doesn't play. I think he's, my hunch is that he's going to play. I don't know that. Um, But if he doesn't play, the the pick's going to be Chuck Amenahu. Oh, you bitch. (laughs) Is that your hipster pick? Yes. Oh, man. Sorry. Talk to me about Charles Amenahu. Nick Bose is good at football. Da, da, da. Go on with your other thing. I mean, the fact that he's like an actual contributor is kind of wild, right? Like he was not somebody who you really thought all that much about going into the playoffs. And he had a sack and a half against the Cowboys. And it was like six pressures. A real, yeah, and like a real factor against Tyron Smith, who's been one of the best tackles in the league throughout most of his career. So, and it speaks to like just the, I mean, the 49ers getting him mid season when for a sixth, for a sixth is just like a 2023 sixth at that. Like how is how is a productive edge rusher available for a 2023 sixth round pick? Do you want the real answer? Is it because the Texans are cheeks? I was well, the, yes. Wow, great <laughs> word. I wasn't gonna say cheeks, but that's a better word than the one I was gonna say. I was gonna say a disaster, but cheeks is way better. <laughs> I thought that was your opportunity to throw it into this episode. Well, no, um, you did it for me. That's great. I love well, that you're picking up on the bit. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, um, it's good. It's good. This is this is this is great. He so Charles Amen who sort of exemplifies what the 49ers have going with their pass rush right now because you feel pretty good about the fact that like it it early in the season when D Ford wasn't there, I was like, all right, well, who's gonna rush the passer? And then Arden Key stepped up and Charles Amenahu stepped up and Samson Ebukam stepped up, and Eric Armstead has played probably the best stretch of his career to this point. Um so that's it's you know the 49ers are able to come in waves which was a little bit surprising because coming into the season it, it felt like man if they lose if D Ford can't contribute if Nick Bose is hurt like you really don't feel great about it but now with the way Charles Amena who's played you do feel a little bit better so my pick my pick is Nick Bosa and because we allow each other the leeway of injuries right um Charles Amena who's the sub if Nick Bosa can't play Okay, I dig it. I'm going to stick along those same lines, and I'm going to pick Arden Key. And let me tell you something about Arden Key. In weeks... I'm going to, I'm going to learn you something today. In weeks... <laughs> take a seat. You're going to learn today. In his first 12 games with the 49ers, Arden, that's weeks 1 through 12, so through the Jacksonville game, Arden Key had a whopping 12 pressures. How many? From week... In the last seven games, so week 13 through the wild card game, he has 27. Wow. He has been 
a legitimate force. Like a that's that's like a sixty pressure pace for a season. That's really good for a rotational defensive lineman. Um, and I just think that it's reached a point where it's not, oh, hey, maybe Arden Key will get a few pressures. Like he's going to. It's just a matter of is he going to have three or is he going to get six or seven? And I think there's a legitimate chance against Green Bay that he gets six or seven and comes up with a sack or two. He's playing really, really well right now. And if they are going to impact Aaron Rodgers, it's going to take him getting pressure from the inside a couple times, maybe getting one or two off the edge. Um, I just don't see a path where the 49ers win this game where a guy like Arden Key is just not making a couple of splash plays. Yeah, I I, I completely, I, I like the pick a lot. If you would have told me in training camp that Arden Key would be the 49ers' second best pass rusher, I would have been like, I would have laughed at you. I would have been like, oh, so it's a Kerry Hyder situation. Bosa got hurt again. Right. Like he's but just even, on the field all the time and ran into some sacks. But he wasn't really a guy you thought about much as somebody who's going to pass rush from the inside. Mm-hmm. Like he, he worked at defensive end almost exclusively as like a second and third teamer during training camp and it was like is, is Arden Key good like you know whatever but that's probably oh, the reason he's good he's actually Arden Key is good right I don't think it's a I don't think this is a oh he benefits from all the talent around him like I'm sure that helps a little bit but he's just he just single singularly makes plays which is a big deal and I think the Niners coaching staff just ability to like we know about it with Debo Samuel Oh, Debo Samuel is really good with the ball in his hands, especially out of the backfield. Let's make him a running back for 12 plays a game. Taking Arden Key and saying, hey, you know, not really a bendy edge guy, but you're big and athletic. Let's kick you inside and see what happens. Like that, having that open mindedness as a coaching staff and being willing to adapt to personnel like that is one of the reasons I think that they're going to be pretty good for a while. I like it. Who's the last pick? You promised hipster. I did. I wrote somebody down. I don't know if this is a hipster pick, but I I said hipster earlier, and then this person popped into my mind while you're talking about Arden Key. And I feel like it's hipster. I don't think I've picked this person all season. Um, Emmanuel Mosley. Is that hipster? I give that three out of five beanies. <laughs> three out of five hacky sacks. Um, <laughs> I give that three out of five black keys records. <laughs> That's we just did the same joke three times. Go ahead. Yeah, all, all good. All, all, all good versions of the joke. Um, Emmanuel Mosley, because he yeah. had an interception. He had an interception of Aaron Rodgers in the NFC championship game two years ago. He did. Devontae Adams is good. Great point. Analysis. Um, and the 49ers are not going to win if Emmanuel Mosley gets cooked by Devontae Adams, which means you need Emmanuel Mosley. Like, uh, there's there's no version of... I mean, that you need Emmanuel Mosley to play a good game to win this game. Define like, cooked. I mean, if it's like... If it's to the point where in the second half you're like, all right, it's third down, Emmanuel Mosley's on Devontae Adams, and the 49ers have no shot here, and it, and you like know Devontae Adams is getting the ball and he's going to convert, mm-hmm. 
that's that's cooked is it like for me cooked is when it's like all right before the play even happens you have zero confidence that your guy's gonna hold up okay um and i think i think mosley's good like he's he's fine he's not like excellent he's not bad but i mean you you have to you have to cover the packers you just have to because Mm -hmm. the only way like the most likely way for the 49ers to get their pass rush home is to make Aaron Rodgers hitch. And you do that with the coverage you have. And when you try to take away the quick game. So if you can take away the quick game by being physical at the line of scrimmage, which Emmanuel Mosley is, then you have a better shot at disrupting Aaron Rodgers with your front four. Um, And so that's why Emmanuel Mosley is such an important player in this game to me. Um, So I think there's, Four Niners win, like there's a very high likelihood that Emmanuel Mosley plays well. Um, mm-hmm. so for me, this for me, this game's about like trying to tell the story of the game before it happens. And that's one of them, right? Like if if you win, it means Devontae Adams doesn't completely kill you, uh, which means Emmanuel Mosley probably plays well. Devontae I apologize Adams. for not going more hipster. I was gonna go, I was thinking Juwan Jennings, but I was like, I've done that before. That's like that's one out of five at this point. Yeah, like DJ Jones was uh, always kind of you know two out I of did, five. I did the Daniel Brenskill thing. I wasn't willing to go that five deep. out of five. Yeah, that's that's super hipster. Um, is Kyle Usechek hipster? Yeah, hipster pick. You think so? Yeah, yeah, but he's hipster in the way that like Temple Coffee and Zach is hipster. Like you go there when you want to be hipster, but the actual hipsters are at like a different roastery. Right. Okay. I like that. A roastery. Yeah, I, mean. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Industry term. <laughs> uh, Devontae Adams since week 11. Yeah. Seven catches for a buck 15 and two touchdowns. Eight for 104. 10 for 121 and two. Six for 44 and one. 10 for 114 and two. 11 for 136 and one. Six for 55 in a game where he only played 22 snaps. Really good player. He's incredible. If the 49ers can hold him to like nine catches for a buck 20 and a touchdown, I think they have a shot. Like that's, that's honestly like the level of production that you expect from him. But if he's going for nine and 120 and a touchdown, Marquez Valdez Scantling can't have six for 90 and a touchdown. Right. You know, it has to be Devontae Adams and then a sprinkle of all the other guys. It can't be a huge Devontae Adams game or a big Devontae Adams game and then a big game from another receiver. Um it, it, they they have to limit those other guys. Which is something Croc alluded to in the last spot. Robbie Gold would have been an excellent addition to this pick. So. Ah. One of the we do a we do a props thing on my show where I come up with props. I, I I come up with a number from the Warriors game that weekend and a number from the Niners game that weekend, and we put them against each other, and the hosts have to pick which one will be the higher number. I did Andre Iguodala made field goals versus Robbie Gold made field goals last week, and Robbie Gold <laughs> shut him out three nothing. Robbie Gold two fifty plus two fifty plus yarders for for future Hall of Famer Robbie Gold. I'm knocking on wood so listeners don't get upset, but Robbie Gold's never missed a postseason field goal. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. 
that 46 yarder they line up for on their opening series is going wide left. <laughs> oh man. No, I mean, I'm tweeting about it. Oh, don't put it in the universe. If you tweet about it, there's a chance they'll see it. I don't think he you listens know, to the it, pod. So when it happens, okay. Uh, when it happens, blame me. I'm going to be like, Chris Biederman made that field goal miss happen. What I'm doing on at 4.57 on Wednesday in Santa Clara is directly impacting a kick that's going to happen Saturday night in Green Bay, Wisconsin. This is how the universe works. Right. Oh, butterfly effect for sure. Yeah. Um, Robbie Gold would, be good, would have been a good one. You could go Mitch Wisnowski for being the holder. That's like super hipster. Um, that's too hipster. I think it's. I think that's like the ideal hipster pick would be Mitch Wisnowski. Like, got a hold in the cold. Like, it's gonna be tough. Um, Tabor Pepper, I feel like, is the same as Kyle Uzcheck. Like yes. you said, like like the the normies are trying to be hipster and they pick Tabor Pepper, but right. But the actual hipsters are like, bro, we're, we're Ta- off Tabor Ta- Pepper. <laughs> Tabor Pepper and Kyle Juszczyk are for the people that put hipster in their Twitter bio. <laughs> like you want to be that. Right. Right. They're like worried about buying flannel shirts. They'd be like, does this make me look like a hipster? Like you, like you go to Bottle Rock in a flannel, but you're, but you're there to see pink. <laughs> I mean, if you go to Bottle Rock in a flannel, you're you're cooking. Like it's it's warm at Bottle Rock. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a really good point. <clears throat> I'm just saying that because I went because I went tied around the August. waist with the brewery hat on. <laughs> there you go. There <laughs> you go. I was I was soccer jersey guy at Bottle Rock because it was warm. That doesn't surprise me one bit. Why? Why does that not surprise you? Because you're a big soccer jersey guy. I mean, I, I have that about you very recently. I have like two that I wear. That's double what 98% of the populace has. I mean, whatever. Actually, I technically double would mean that it doesn't matter. Do you have anything else to say about this game? Um, I don't. I think I've exhausted my... God, I think I'm starting to lose my voice now at this point. Um, No, I don't have anything else. I think what's funny about this game is going to be like some wild shit happens that we're not prepared for and we haven't talked about, but that's just the nature of this thing. I'm picking the Packers. You're picking the Packers. Okay. Um, 27, 22, because something weird is going to happen. For the sake of diversity, then I'll pick the Niners. Okay. Um, yeah, I think they're tested, man, and they're good. Like, they're, they are the team physicality plays in January. Leave it that. I'll, I'll leave it at that. I do my biggest key that I I do think if the Niners win, I think there's going to. I think you'll be able to tell in the first like ten minutes, because I've mentioned this a million times. The Packers haven't played a real game in a month, and the 49ers have been playing playoff games for that same amount of time. And there's a chance that the Niners come out and just catch Green Bay not ready to play. That said, Green Bay is not nearly as poorly coached as Dallas. I think they're going to be far more ready than the Cowboys were. Does Trey Lance play in this game? Mm, no. 
I think he does. Which is wild because I just picked the Niners. I, I guess it <laughs> sort of shows that I'm not super committed to the pick. <laughs> but I, I think Trey Lance gets in. Whether it's as an injury replacement or as like third and one in the third quarter and trying to trying to mix it up. Okay. Over half a snap? I'm taking the over and half a snap for Trey. All right. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Subscribe, rate, review. If you have not, we will be back after the game talking about either the 49ers moving on or discussing what went wrong. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for the Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, Sam Espondiari of the Light Years podcast is in the building. Uh, Sam, a self-proclaimed Shanistan. <laughs> what, <laughs> what led you to this, to this new uh, station in life? Okay, so people who follow me know I'm, I was a Raiders fan, right? Like, right. But they left, they left town, and I have no hard feelings towards them. But I just can't be the guy who who roots for a non-local team. I wouldn't even consider myself a Niners fan or anything, but they are incredibly fun to watch. I, that's that's what I have to... Okay, frustrating also at the same time, as you guys, I'm sure, can progress <laughs> to. But like they are just... Honestly, I'm finding them more compelling than I'm finding the Warriors these days. And that's probably what was just you know spurring my text to you. So well, why, what's more compelling about the Niners right now, aside from just the fact that it's the playoffs versus the regular season for the NBA? I mean, I feel like that's part of it, but also, um, obviously, I've watched a lot of football like all you guys. They they have the feel of one of those teams like the um, like the Giants teams with Eli Manning, um, where they're kind of a mess for two-thirds of the season, and then they start figuring some stuff out, and they they look very dangerous going into the playoffs. So it's just it's fun watching a team who is in some ways flawed 
figure out something and kind of get on a run at the end of it. Um, in some ways, I find that more fun to watch than like what they were two years ago, which was just kind of right out of the gate, just beating everyone up for for 16 weeks and, you know, all the way to the Super Bowl. There was all this talk a couple years ago that Patrick Mahomes is the Steph Curry of the NFL. Is Debo Samuel actually the Steph Curry of the NFL? <laughs> feels like it to me. Changing the game. Is Debo Samuels the uh, Draymond Green of the NFL? Oh, Positionless. Um, the box score numbers probably don't bounce, you know, jump out at you the way they do with other flasher wide receivers. You get like 25 targets. And I don't know, what did Cooper ca- Cup catch this year? Like 150 passes? He yeah, won everyone in their fantasy leagues. That's all I know. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so like that sort of stuff. But it's like if you watch the game, he affects the game in a bazillion different ways and has at least one play where you're like, I'm not sure anyone else in the league can do that type of thing. Yeah. Right. So he's a little undersized. I love this. This is, that's a great comp. It's fantastic. So, so there's sort of a, a, a line of thinking or, or a conversation bit about how the Warriors and 49ers have gone about developing their young players this season in, in just very different ways, right? And it's obviously, it's Jonathan Kaminga and it's Trey Lance. And in basketball, because you do sub guys and you have a rotation, it's a lot easier to incorporate somebody who's a little bit further down on your bench like Kaminga was to start, where in the NFL, particularly a quarterback, it's just super difficult overall to to work in um, to work in a rookie and get him the, the time he needs to develop. But as somebody who observes the Warriors very closely, as you do, what do you make of that sort of dynamic? And, and how would you handle the Trey Lance situation if you're Kyle Shanahan? So the Trey Lance situation reminds me more of like the James Wiseman one in some ways, because okay. like you like you mentioned, because Kuminga is a wing and kind of positionless, like is he a small forward? Is he a center? Um, the Warriors generally just play Steph Curry and as many wings as possible. And they all just like, depending on the matchup, take various different roles. I'd almost make that more analogous to like how, you know, like Shanahan can rotate in running backs like Elijah Mitchell this year or defensive linemen where they're constantly rotating. So you can get, you can develop guys without quote unquote, asking them to be the man. Um, Whereas like with a pure center, like, if you're in there, you're doing center things. And like with a quarterback, you, I don't know, they messed with it earlier in the season, but like you can't just kind of like, all right, we're going to give you 25% of the snaps and try to develop you that way. It doesn't work. And with Wiseman last year, I feel like the Warriors just kind of threw him out there at random times to see what they had and created this weird dynamic where it was like, I don't know, we, we probably are better with him off the court but we need to develop him, but there's no coherent way to get him in here that doesn't kind of mess with everything else. And that's kind of where the dynamic's similar with, with like Trey Lance. Cause it's like, you just kind of have to commit to a quarterback on some level. Right. Yeah. Are the, t- I've always, w- and this, I guess is a question for, for Chris and Sam, because I, I genuinely have no idea. You see the teams always like, tweet out like good luck to like the giants like good luck 49ers and the warriors are like sf unite and all this stuff um do the teams actually like each other or are they like technically competing like from a business standpoint oh that's interesting um i think they like each other like i i think 
I think there's a lot of communication between front offices in terms of like with the Warriors building Chase Center, I think there was a lot of communication and sort of advice seeking from the 49ers in terms of um, building the venue and and everything that goes into operating your own venue. Um, because I think it's kind of similar, like, I don't know exactly how the financing works, but in, in terms of like hosting corporate events and having luxury suites and hospitality and all of that, I think there's a lot of similarities in terms of the approach that they take. Um, so I think from that standpoint, yeah, they do, but there's obviously competition because, you know, there's only so many luxury suites for sporting events in the Bay area. And if you're a company, you might like basketball more, but that's more expensive because there are more games. So maybe go to the 49ers and maybe there's competition from that standpoint, but I think they all, you know, uh, I, I think overall, it seems like they have a pretty good working relationship. What do you think, Sam? Yeah, I was, I was going to be like, Kyle can only afford luxury boxes to one of the three teams. You know, you can't be at all three of them. Right. right. So how do they earn my business? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I always, f- I feel like the Giants and Warriors might have more of a competitive thing going just because geographically they're like a half mile apart. So like they're competing for, you know, corporate corporate dollars of companies that are literally in Soma or in Mission Bay or those areas. They're competing um, for season ticket, you know, season ticket sales of people who are more likely to go to San Francisco. I always feel like football is a little bit of its own thing, just like a 40 miles away. So how much of the Niners is like kind of trying to get business out of San Jose, for example, right? probably more so than the Warriors and Giants just because of geography. The other is like, it's only eight home games. It's more of like an event production, whereas Mm -hmm. baseball and basketball, like it's a lot of home dates to sell. It's a lot of home dates to sell on a consistent basis. Like the boxes are expensive to all three, but just when you think about purchasing a luxury box for 41 games or 84, yeah, 41 or 81 games, it's a, it's a wholly different investment than for eight games. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, Kyle told me that your favorite player is Trent Williams. I mean, sources who sources told whose me favorite that. player is not Trent Williams. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> he's one of my favorite guys to talk to on the team for sure. He's he's like, he's, he's super helpful, um, and and probably the best interview on the team. But just curious, what why, why uh, can can you make that case? First off, he's got to be the best left tackle in football. So I'll throw that out there, but I just feel like, I don't know. It's, it's probably just a hipster take. It's fun <laughs> to watch like the guys who don't get the quote unquote publicity on the national scale. Like all anyone ever wants to talk about with the Niners is Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance, right? Like that's even, you know, Debo can make a case for being the offensive player of the year, MVP or whatever you want to call it. Like, um, Nick Bosa could make a case for defensive player of the year, or at least being in that conversation. Like they got so many players who are quote unquote, the best at what they do, but all he wants to talk about is a quarterback. So I don't know. I'm just entertained by him. And then secondarily, like at least once every three games, he has some sort of pulling block that is just vicious. The green Bay one earlier in the year sticks out, but even if you watch the, the play that Debo busted, he kind of pushed Micah Parsons, like, halfway across the field on that one. And it's just really fun to watch. I don't know. I think he also is just kind of, they have just kind of the most endearing personalities because they know they don't get the, the, uh, the publicity there, you know, you said you were a Raider fan 
And then they I don't left. dislike them. Yeah. And now you're and now you're you're not necessarily a 49ers fan, but you're, I, I you're following right because <laughs> you're but you're following the 49ers because they're local. But how much did Arden Key and his move to the 49ers play into your decision? As everyone knows, I own <laughs> 10 different Arden Key jerseys back to LSU. Right. No. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> Actually, I think that's also like a compelling case for the Niners. He was kind of an enigmatic mechs for the Raiders. Like the talent was obvious, but like they didn't do anything with him. Um, Niners get him uh, better coaching staff, kind of a proven formula player development, particularly along the defensive line. And what? Like by the end of the season, he's kind of low key a impact player for them, right? Like he's he's getting <laughs> he's getting to the quarterback. He's kind of replaced what D Ford did for them. For the most part, I mean, in the ten games Steve Ford played over four years, but whatever. Um, was it? A, oh yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, he's kind of. Uh, it's kind of cool to see that. Like, aren't those kind of fun sports stories too? Like, um, I could take it to the Warriors, like Otto Porter, forgotten man, and kind of like yeah. a key player for them. Like, don't you kind of? Isn't that kind of a sign of a team who's at least doing something right that they can take guys who? kind of haven't figured it out or fell off in some way. And then they turn out to be good players for your team. Strength in numbers. <laughs> I, I would have sworn that Otto Porter was 34 years old. Right. And he's like 20 and it's like, man, he's been in the league for a decade. I swear. It doesn't help that. that he get. it doesn't help that he gets like rest days with Andre Godala and you like look at him next <laughs> to each other and you're like, yeah, well, I mean, you know, they're both 38. I get it, <laughs> but, he's, but he's actually 28. Yeah. So, yeah. um, that was shocking to find out. So a lot of Steph Curry seasons typically end up with him getting super hot in like February and March. And there are certain times like you can almost go back through all of them and see like a week or two or even, you know, maybe three or a month where Steph doesn't shoot at like the ridiculously high Steph Curry level. And then he sort of makes up for it later in the season. Is that coming in your opinion or is this slump? Is there more to this slump? And and should should Warriors fans be at all concerned that it's not going to come back like it has in previous seasons? So because he's been slumping everyone has like a theory for what it is mm-hmm. and I've dug into all of them and there's nothing unless you legitimately think the new ball, they switched uh, to Wilson making the ball from Spalding, excuse me. Um, and Steph was kind of one of the pretty much every player complained about it just because, you know, creatures of habit, they all like the way a certain ball feels and new ball. Oh, wow. This one doesn't have as much touch. I can't grip it the same way. Um, that's the only thing I can think of because there is nothing that suggests there's anything else going on. He's getting wide open shots. He's statistically missing wide open shots at, at he's making them a 10% lower clip than he's made them every other year in his career. Hmm. He moves the same to me. Like he's not any slower. He doesn't look, it's not one of those situations where it's like, yeah, he's getting old. He can't get separation. Defenders are really wrapping him up now. It's like, no, he's wide open in the corner because the Sacramento Kings can't rotate and he's bricking it. And I don't know what to tell you. Like, that's not Steve Kerr running a poor play. That's not him losing athleticism. That's just misses. And it is, it's weird because he's never had a month like he just had. Like you said, his slumps are usually five games six games, but if the looks are open, 
he tends to like, you know, or regress to a mean pretty quickly. Right. Mm -hmm. And this has been like, I don't know, 15, 20 games where it's just kind of like, this is strange. You know, like the first few you're like, ah, it's coming. You know, they, they got a couple easy games. He's going to get on a roll. So I tend to think he will come out of it, but it is, it is bizarre and it is testing my, my faith in just humanity. Is there an element of, (laughs) is there an element of like, is he dealing with more physicality from defenses than he has in the past, particularly off the ball with all the grabbing and, and everything like that when he's trying to break free? I don't really think so, but like I, you can pull up the tracking numbers. Like I, like I was saying, he's missing. He's hitting a higher percentage of shots where he is, where he has a defender draped all over him than when he's wide open. Hmm. So unless you think like getting bumped and then getting open two seconds later throws off his rhythm, which like is possible. Um, I just don't know. Like it, it seems like just one of those unexplainable slumps that I guess every player goes through in every sport. And it's just weird because we we're just used to seeing like Steph Curry, 43% from three or whatever it is a well over 40. And it's weird to see him at what? 38.6% right now. Yeah. Do you think, it has anything to do with, I know it kind of started while Draymond was in the lineup, but do you think the fact that he hasn't come out of it has anything to do with the fact that Draymond has not been playing? No. Like that's just kind of prolonged um, it? May, well, it's objectively true. He shoots better when Draymond's on the floor, like over mm-hmm. since Draymond's been on the Warriors, which is like 10 years. Uh, excellent passer, shocker, good passer, gets guys open shots. Um <laughs> But like I said, he keeps he was getting open shots. He's just missing them. I, I don't have I don't have an explanation. I wish it was something as simple as like they're running the wrong plays. Cause that that, that feels like easily correctable. You know, like mm-hmm. what would a Warriors Twitter what, what do they love to like complain about? Why aren't they running more pick and roll? Put the ball in Steph's hands, that sort of thing. But it's like <laughs> they're doing the exact same thing they did last year. Right. He's getting the same shots from the same areas. Um he hasn't changed his shooting form. He's not any less athletic than he or more athletic or less or whatever than he was last year. It's just, it's just bizarre. And I don't like it. Should they trade Steph Curry for Ben Simmons? <laughs> I mean, they probably gonna have to throw in three or four extra picks, right? Okay. That's a great. That's, point. By the way, this is my favorite thing. So we're approaching the trade deadline in the NBA. And like, it's just so clear that, uh, Daryl Morey's trying to drum up interest for the Sixers. He's just like leaking fake trades that he's rejected. <laughs> it's like, it's like, yeah, sources. Yeah. Like the Sacramento Kings offered me De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald and four picks. But I said, no, I was like, what? <laughs> it's like, you know, like for a guy who's not contributing at all right now. <laughs> yeah. For a guy that everyone knows refuses to play for you too. Like you could, we could talk about who he is as a player and how good you think he is, but like, just from a trade standpoint, it's kind of like, we know he doesn't want to play for you. So we're not going to give you, you know, the, the kitchen sink offer you want. And also, also if you're Sacramento, why would you trade for a guy that doesn't even want to play for the Sixers who are a title contender? And just specifically, just specifically the Kings because they're they've always, they always get mentioned in those Sixers trade rumors. Like if I'm Ben Simmons, are you going to want to go play? Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, the, oh that that's the second part of it. It's great. So obviously Ben Simmons is a clutch sports client, and they are just phenomenal 
with kind of media leaks and trying to like craft a PR narrative that they want. So their one is like, oh, Ben, Ben needs to go to a team where he's challenged, where he gets to be the man. <laughs> and it's like he want and 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 then you know, people are like, oh, like Sacramento, he can go there and be like the big star there. And I'm just like, I'm sure, I'm sure everything's gonna be great if you know that doesn't work out immediately over there, right? Right. Yeah, they have a super just stable. Yeah, really good infrastructure, like from the top down, just very stable. Ready Always make rational decisions. Yeah, the Kings, the Kings are funny. Um, all right. What what are you looking forward to most about this Niners Packers game uh on Saturday night? I mean, the whole thing. I don't know. All I of it. See- yeah. <laughs> <Good> answer. <laughs> um I want to see if the Niners can kind of punch them in the mouth the way that they did the Dallas Cowboys and kind of like, I, th- I think you guys would agree probably don't want to get into a shootout type of situation with Aaron Rodgers. Like that's just not playing to their favor, but I'm curious if they can kind of get out to the same type of physical run it down your throat, kind of just really just kind of bully them in the early part of the game and see what that does, particularly since, it's a night game in Green Bay, and well, what's the latest weather projection? Like negative eight hundred. It's going to be cold. Yeah, so it's like super it's, cold, hella cold. It just you know, and and Jimmy's got the shoulder sprain and the the thumb, and God knows what else. Like can even grip a football in the cold. Who knows, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My my take is generally that the 49ers are a tough, a super tough team to beat right now because of the way they're rolling and just physicality plays this time of year. Right. And there isn't a more physical team in the NFC right now, but they need to play. They don't have the margin for error because of the mistakes that Jimmy Garoppolo is prone to make. Right. And so if you can be the more physical team and you can take care of the ball, that's going to give you a a really legitimate chance but there's also the potential for Aaron Rodgers to just go into God mode and then just take the game over. And and it doesn't matter how physical the 49ers are offensively because Rodgers is scoring touchdowns every time he touches it. Right. So I I do think like, I think six points it's I I checked before we started recording six points feels like a lot and it Mm -hmm. wouldn't surprise me if the 49ers won the game. Um, But it's ultimately, I think, all the physicality stuff and and the advantages the 49ers have in that standpoint from that standpoint could be null and void if Jimmy Garoppolo is hurt and can't play and then or just can't stop turning the ball over or whatever it is. Like you do need a A plus game from Jimmy Garoppolo. And or they, or they can be repeat what get. they did two years ago where he didn't throw the ball till the third quarter or whatever it was. Yeah, there's that too. There's that too, but it's gonna be harder on the road than it than than it was at home. Also, I've just never yeah. seen a game like that in my life. Like it, that was, it was unbelievable. Yeah, it's uh, you just you know eight. What was it? Eight total passing attempts. Eight. eight yeah, six yeah. of eight. Efficient. I was cutting highlights. I was cutting highlights <laughs> for that game or from that game today. And on Raheem Mostert, I think it was his third touchdown. Uh, Buck starts to call with uh, Garoppolo's only thrown six passes, and there's like five minutes left in the third, and that's such a it was bizarre in the moment, but I think it's just gotten to this point where the discourse around it is like, oh, well, they were running the ball super effectively, so of course they're only going to throw it eight times. That's an insane thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> He's run the ball effectively all the time and still throw it 20 times. That's That was Kyle Shanahan's thing. That's what he said after the game. He was I like, would, yeah, we're running it so it. well. Yeah, well, You would pass it because it's a more efficient way to move the ball, but yeah. It but works. I, 
It works when if you Patrick can... Mahomes was their quarterback, they wouldn't have run it eight times. Right. Or passed it eight times. It, it works have, it at home. Nine. It works at home when you get turnovers early, you get up early, you get the crowd super involved. Like that works, but I think it's gonna be much harder in Lambo. Yeah, I think I, I think I'm gonna bet the over on eight passes for Jimmy. That's just my <laughs> that's my going. Bold. Yeah. Uh, unless he hurts his shoulder again Yikes. early in the game. Yeah, we'll see. Which is a real concern, but well, this was fun. We'll have to get you on more in the uh, in the off season to talk uh, to do more light minutes and talk about talk about the Warriors because I think I think there's a there's a large cross section of of listeners to our pod who also listen. To We're gonna find out after this podcast. <laughs> Let us know. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. We'll we'll do that, and it's like I mean, it's perfect time. Like it's the dog days of the NBA season. Like sure. I'm gonna watch. All the word games, but it's we're definitely at that. Can we get to the all star break without anyone else getting injured portion of the season? Mm, yeah, that's tough. All right, well, enjoy the game Saturday. Five around the NBA right now for sure. Yeah, yeah. thanks, Sam. Yeah, appreciate you guys. Yep. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com